is our own staff pastor, John Mark Tolbert. Come on and give God praise. Hallelujah. I'm not alone. Everybody say. Hallelujah. I am not alone. You are not alone. He is my comfort. And he always holds me close. Somebody needs to hear that today. Hallelujah. You deserve the highest praise. Because I know in you I'm not alone. You say that he's my comfort again. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. St. John 14 and 26 says, The comforter which I'll send in my name. Hallelujah. Say, He's my comfort. He's my comfort. He's my comfort. You're trying to figure out how can you cope, how can you make it? You can't make it without the Spirit of God residing in you. If you don't believe it, you can have it today. He is my Always He's my comfort. He's my comfort. That's going to bless somebody today. When the devil starts fighting you and telling you that you can't make it and you're confused and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet, you're going to hear the song that says, He's my comfort. He's my comfort. And he always holds. He will always hold you close. He will always wrap his arms around you. You don't have to worry. The Lord is my comfort. Always hold. We got to end. We got to end. Thank you, worshipers. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just put a praise in the atmosphere. Come on, I need somebody that's Holy Ghost filled. That have had an experience with God, a life-changing experience with God, that know that He's your comforter. I need you to put a praise in the atmosphere for somebody that's here today that may not understand what it means to have God as a comforter. I need you to put something in the atmosphere today that overflows from your spirit and pours out on somebody that came in here today that might be empty. Oh, I wonder if I have worshipers in the house today. You might not know the song, but you know who God is. Put a praise in the house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. Come on, let's stay right there. We thank God for his goodness. Thank God for being so awesome to us. 
Somebody said, he's been better to me than I could be to myself. If you believe it, you ought to just say, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank God for the angel of this house. God bless you. And Lady Brady, we're going to keep it moving, first family. Everybody, all the ministers of the house, people of God. And we thank God for his presence this morning. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for stopping by and visiting us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you had not had an experience with a good father, sometimes that's all you need is your father just saying, you do, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And that's what he's doing this morning. I feel in the spirit that somebody came in here heavy, but the worship is saying it's going to be all right. He's your comfort. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. My God. The word of God reads St. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Keep playing. And the word, the same was in the beginning. With God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. I want to speak to you today from a topic that just simply goes in line with what we are speaking on this month of restoration. It's very simple. I want to speak for, to you from the mindset of before the bite. Before the bite. Father God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for being here today. Open up eyes to see open up hearts to receive and help us to become doers of your word and not hearers only and we'll be grateful to give your name praise honor and glory in Jesus name amen somebody ought to just shout hallelujah and then when it gets too quiet Feel free to just shout out a hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. I want to share with you a few moments. Something that I believe that the Lord has given to me to give to you on today. And it is surrounding the thoughts of restoration. Someone say restoration. 
As you may or may not know, I know Pastor has alluded to this month for Christian education. We are talking about restoration. And it sits under the underarching or overarching theme of to rebuild, to restore, and to renew. And so I want to introduce to some of you, it's going to be a review to some of you Bible scholars out here today, but there's a point of view that I want to share with other of us plain folk <laughs> about restoration. I always like to begin with a, a definition of thought on the word that I'm covering. And when you begin to look at the word restoration, when you're studying, you should go to the root of that word or the foundation of that word, which is for today, restore. If you in your phone Googled restore, it gives a few definitions and one being return to a former condition, place, or position. Stay with me, stay with me. Number two, restore means to repair or renovate. So, as to return it to its original condition. And number three, give back to the original owner. That's going to resonate with somebody when it gets real quiet. <laughs> I started thinking about the definition and I started breaking it down to its basic state. And to be honest with you, I got stuck. I got stuck because I tried to reflect as far back as I could about my original state. And the more and more I thought about my original state, can I be honest with you? I realized that I didn't want to be restored to that at all. Maybe some of y'all can identify with me. From a spiritual standpoint, glory to God, to be restored back to a place where you first received, what does that mean? Does it mean that I erase all of the bad? And then if I erase all of the bad, does it mean that then I have to erase all of the good? <laughs> does it mean that I have to erase all that I've learned about God? All that I know, all the people who I've connected to, all that I've learned just living. I'm telling you, I was, I was stuck. I was sitting here and I said, the more and more I think about this word restoration, I don't think I really know what it means at all. And I tried to convince myself that I still, Lord, want to be restored. <laughs> but the question is, 
what was I willing to be restored to? What was I willing to be reestablished as? What would be the reset point for my restoration? Come on, think about it. What would be your reset point for your restoration? I shared in the 9 o'clock service that we were dealing with some issues this week as we have done this upgrade. Some things, when you get new equipment, it just doesn't take what you had in the old equipment. Sometimes, in the midst of upgrading, you just flat out forget, oops, Jesus saved, so should I. And so as we were brainstorming, trying to figure out how to recover some things so that we can be here and allow things to be on the screen, I asked the question, I remembered in my, I'm a PC guy. I said, is there a system restore? Because all we have is Mac. I said, does Mac have a system restore? For those of you that are not familiar with, in the computer world, if you have a PC, there's a place on your computer where you can restore it to a date, sometimes years or months, months or years in advance. So if you have a, a virus, you can restore it back to a date last year where the virus wasn't on your computer. And not only will the virus be gone, but the files that you thought were deleted would be restored as well. What we found out is that we didn't have that. <laughs> the new equipment has it, but the old equipment didn't. <laughs> That'll preach right there. Jesus. What's new on the Apple is the new Macs is a system that's called Time Machine. Literally takes you back in time to recover the things that were lost. But while you can restore your computer back to a re original time for a specific purpose, what would be the purpose of being restored back to a portion of your life? We often say, if I could do it all over again. <laughs> oh, I sure wish I had met her. <laughs> I had wished I hadn't took that job. I wish I didn't go to that place. I wish I would have invested here. Hindsight is always 2020. But as we start to think about what we could be restored to, could it be? That might be Jesus calling. Could it be that God desires to restore things to a time that we were well aware of in the scriptures? Oh, you heard about it, but you never really thought about it because it's not occurring in real time in your life. I know that went over your head. I know it did because somebody in the last service told me it did. But they said they waited a little bit and heard the next part and they said, oh, okay, I get it. So keep listening. 
Listen, we've got so consumed with life on this earth and enamored with so much prosperity preaching. The wealth of the wicked is laid up with the righteous. And I believe it. I believe it. And while we believe that Christians can live a financially prosperous life, driving nice things, living in nice homes, wearing nice things, we've missed it. And we haven't done enough talking about who and what we can be spiritually and the place that is prepared for those that will believe. We've gotten so caught up in the natural hitting benchmarks, pleasing man on our jobs, even in the church, setting personal goals, financial goals, wellness goals, that we haven't really given much thought to the spiritual beyond what we can see and touch. But could it be that God is desiring us to have a relationship that resembles the relationship that he had with mankind before the bite? I know y'all looking at this shirt. Why is he in a t-shirt? Our very own Deacon Martez Gardner has a, a, a clothing line that says, before the bite. So I'm doing a PSA. He ain't giving me no money for it, but I'm doing that for him today. Before the bite. So let's examine that. In Genesis, we're introduced to God the creator. In chapter 2, we begin, and I'm going to fast forward to you. We begin to witness the creation of man. And the scripture tells us that before God created what we know as rain showers, he created man because he knew that when I cause it to rain, things are going to grow. And if things grow, I need somebody to take care of and dress the garden that I've created. So before I can go there, let me create man. So after he created man, God created the garden, told Adam about the trees that he had free access to. That's a whole sermon right there. Just hit me. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have to go back. Yes, Lord. God also told Adam about the one that he was forbidden to eat. How many of you know God will tell you what you ain't supposed to have? Amen. We like to talk about what we're going to get. But God will also say, in order for you to get what I have for you, there's some things you ain't supposed to have. But I see Sally is that, but yeah, but that's not for you. See, some people work, and I'm coming off, no, some people looked at Samson and wondered why this Nazarene, he couldn't have grapes from the vine. He couldn't even eat grapes while people around him were eating grapes. What's so wrong with eating grapes? And see, in this society that we live in, I hear you, Lord, the society that we live in will get you in this, this, this place where you will ask yourself, well, I don't really see what's wrong with. And before you know, you will have bitten the fruit. And you start this downward spiral into a place where God never intended for you to be. So, back to the message. Adam created. Adam gave the names God created Adam gave the names to every animal every beast every fowl of the air 
Genesis 2 and 19. Part B said, and whatsoever God, whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And God made every Adam, and he, God made every animal, and then he gave Adam a helpmeet. Yes, he did. The creation of woman was the culmination of God's masterpiece. I didn't hear enough amens from the brothers. I, the sisters, I hear you. I said the creation of woman was the culmination of God's masterpiece. I heard an amen back here. All right. Somebody must be mad at somebody. And then in chapter 3, <laughs> help them, Lord. Don't get them in trouble today, God. Chapter 3, it took a turn. It is during this chapter that we discover that Adam and his wife, who hadn't been named yet, entered to, into a place where they were separated from God. In, in chapter 3, the serpent comes, and you know the story. He talked to, to Adam's wife. Eve, she listened, she ate, <laughs> she gave to her husband, he ate, and so we are here. <laughs> but in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, there's something special that I want you to see. Verse 8 said, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I'll read that again. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the, and they heard the voice, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Now, mind you, they had already eaten the fruit and they were in a place where they were separated from God. But the scripture says they heard the voice of the Lord. Listen, his voice was moving throughout the garden and they heard him. Even in a state where they were separated from God through sin, Adam and Eve heard God's voice. Stop telling folk that ain't churchgoers who you think don't know God that they didn't hear him. Because there's somebody that's sitting in here today. Where something is working on the inside of you and you trying to figure it out. That in the cool of the day, and it's cool in here, he's trying to speak to your spirit this morning. Make no mistake, it is God. Part B of verse 8 says, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And if you study the word trees in the word of God, it is a sign of prosperity and growth and abundance. And isn't that amazing how they can hide themselves among the trees of the garden? Isn't that how we sometimes find ourselves hiding from God? Coming out of this pandemic, we got comfortable sitting in front of the television enjoying a meal while we listening to live stream. <laughs> we got uncomfortable. We got comfortable on Sundays going out on boat rides, having brunch. Yeah, I knew I would start talking about food. 
And now that we're back in the sanctuary, <laughs> we find ourselves hiding at Nick and Jake's Cheesecake Factory, enjoying the pleasures all around us, hiding from the work that has to be done in the house of God. And the Lord God called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, God, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Listen, if you don't get nothing, hear me today. Take out your phones. Take out a notepad. Write these two things down. There's two signs that you're in need of a restoration. Two signs, two signs, two signs. Somebody say two signs. Y'all ain't talking to me. Say two signs. Two signs that you're in need of a restoration. You hide from the presence of the Lord. And number two, you're afraid while in his presence. It's not by happenstance that it says because I was naked, I hid myself. Nakedness is a sign of shamefulness. And it's so hard when you're talking to the millennials because they're like, I come to the church and I want to open up about what's going on in my life, but I don't feel safe in the house of God. So they can come to a place where they're supposed to be helped, but yet remain bound. The church as a whole, the kingdom needs a restoration. We need to be restored. Somebody say, we need to be restored. Come on, yell at me. Say, restore me. Listen, when Adam was walking in the fullness of who he was, the scripture said God placed Adam in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And God brought him, the beast, to see what he would call them. And God was just not proud of him. He was proud in him as a father. And when you are restored to a place in God, there is a responsibility that is linked to you because of your connection with him. He put Adam in a place that he might subdue it and have dominion over it. I believe that God's goal is to ultimately return us to a state we were in as we were in Eden. See, see, we have these things backwards. We pray for things when in actuality, if we understood who we were and who God was, then we would understand that God has already prepared the place for you. But when you get in place, he can move you to where you're supposed to be. Some of you are out there job hunting, trying to figure things out in your life. And he's saying, if you would get in place, the place is already prepared for you. And when you get in alignment, with me I can put you where you need to be in order to dress it and keep it and tend to it my God he doesn't want to restore us to a time where we thought things were better he wants us to be restored to a place of right relationship with him. He wants to take us to a time where we intuitively communed with him. So he said, let me do it for man. <laughs> he said, let me do it for man. 
Since Adam and Eve, they came and they messed all this up. He said, let me go down here and wrap myself in flesh so that I can become sin in order to restore them to the rightful place in me. But the restoration process couldn't just happen. Mankind has to receive Jesus and his grace through faith that we might once again be positioned to take our rightful place. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was the beginning. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made. But get this part that I want you to hear. In Him was life. Somebody say life. And the life was light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not and I'm almost through see many get hung up on the King James Version interpretation when it uses comprehend and when you begin to interpret the word you would think looking at comprehend that darkness and light had a personality it was a real person but in actuality I don't 100% rule it out because I wasn't there <laughs> we don't know what God created listen I was talking to my brother the other day. He said, look, when I received the Holy Spirit, he was at PIP when it happened. He came out of that room. He said, when I received the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues, he said, when that happened to me, I believe God can do absolutely anything. If he wanted to have aliens, come on, I believe he just could. That's why when I read this, I in my mind begin to picture darkness saying, what's going on? Because I don't believe anything is impossible with God. But in actuality, what happened was darkness no longer had a hold on that which was itself. But it had to relinquish control to the greater of them, which was light. And I'm telling you today that when you fast forward to the New Testament... And you are this body that embodies the light when you receive the Holy Spirit. When you take in his Holy Spirit inside of this dark body, when light enters the darkness, the darkness doesn't understand what's going on. Let me make it plain to you. When light enters the darkness, if you walked in smoking, sometimes you might leave and be like, why don't I taste that on my mouth anymore? You won't be able to comprehend. Your flesh won't even begin to comprehend what has transpired inside of me. That's what can happen when you have the restorative power of God. But where we get confused is when we stop at me receiving the baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Then what? You were restored to restore. The restoration of man begins with man's willingness to receive Christ. The light into his life. But get this. Let me help you take it a step further. The re restoration of mankind 
you all, begins with our willingness to allow the light to shine through our lives in order to point others to Christ. That's why the scripture says in Matthew 15 and 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. When you're living in a restored life, the light shines brighter through you. His life overshadows and overtakes the darkness. It's you recognize and you walk more confidently in the fact that you have dominion. Why? Because God gave it to you. Not only that, when you walk in the fullness of his restoration power, he is proud of his sons. He brings the cattle to you and the beast to you so you can name it. And he creates environments that only you can dress and only you can take care of. Can I, can I give you a little bit more? He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil and your cup runneth over. He leads you beside the still waters. He restores your soul. When you have the restoration power of God, it comes to bear witness that's why it says we overcome by the blood and the word of our testimony. You were not saved just to come into church and have church. But you were saved to go back out to tell somebody, I know a man from Galilee. Glory to God. To do as John did in verse one, in chapter 1 of St. John in the 6th verse. The seventh verse, he said, the same came for a witness to bear the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John wasn't the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9 says, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Verse 10 says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and the, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave power. As many as received him, to him they became the sons of God, even to them that believed on the name. And I'm telling you today that as many of you as would receive God, to you he gives power. The Bible says, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost hath cometh upon you. And what is this power, John 14 and 26 said the comforter which is the Holy Ghost I will send in my name hallelujah this comforter that they sang about hallelujah in John 10 and 10 he says I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly John 14 and 6 says Jesus said unto him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh to the Father, but by me. John 8 and 12 says, Then spake Jesus. 
Jesus again saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. The light of God, the restorative power of God illuminates any darkness that you come in contact with. This time that we are living in, it's a time of mass confusion. Wrong is right and right is wrong. And the only way that you'll be able to decipher what is pleasing to the Lord is if you have the light inside of you. There's, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. And you can live your life, you can live your life in a manner where you feel like you have so much joy, so much peace, but you're out of the will of God. But God is telling you today that I have a restorative power that I'll take the mess that you created and bring my illumination in there and cause the very darkness that is within you to not comprehend what's going on. That's what kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that he wants to be to you. There's somebody here today somebody here today that has been walking in a dark place walking and being controlled one of the worst places to be is to be walking in darkness not even aware that you're in the midst of chaos I can remember a time I was in high school because during that time, I wanted to fit in so bad. I felt I had to go here and there and this party and that party. Yes, me. <laughs> and because I was that good kid, y'all watch y'all good kids. <laughs> I wasn't always questioned because I still came home at, at the right time. Still made curfew. But I can remember a time I went to a house and I knew I shouldn't have been there. And I walked in the house and saw some things I had never been exposed to in life. And I looked around. And the light in me said, you get out of here now. I turned right around and I walked out the door. And they said, where are you going? I said, I'll see y'all at school. <laughs> and I got in my car and left and I went home. And I found out the next day, it wasn't five minutes after I left, the cops raided that house. Everybody thought I called them because <laughs> I left so quickly. But I testified of what could happen when you're in right communion with God, even when you're in wrong com right communion, but you're making a wrong decision, 
God will speak to you and say, it's time for you to leave. Get up, leave now. Go left, go right. I'm sharing this with you because you have lived too long trying to figure it out yourself. And while the altar workers are coming, somebody needs a life-changing experience this morning. You're saying, I'm tired of this same old, same old. I know it's something to God. And now that I hear the word coming forth, Lord, I need to be restored. If I'm talking to you today, you need to make your way to this altar. Scripture says, the day that you hear my voice, harden not your heart. There's some people that thought they was going to get brunch today. But they didn't even wake up this morning. There's some people that thought they was going to listen to some good music last week on 18th and Vine. But they didn't make it. They didn't make it. God wants a relationship with you. And if he's dealing with your heart this morning, you ought to come forth. Just one time, sing that. A wonderful change, oh, a wonderful change has come over me. change your mind, a wonderful change.